Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. We are sailing aboard Carnival's Mardi Gras this week. Yeah, it's their brand new mega ship coming in at 180,000 gross registered tons on the very first. They're calling it a pre-inaugural sailing, so we'll just say the maiden voyage. Uh, No cruise news this week, but I do implore you to check out the Cruise Radio News Brief channel just opposite of this one. Just type in Cruise Radio News or on YouTube as well in video format. Okay, so to help me get us up to speed on this sailing, we're on night number four right now of seven nights aboard Mardi Gras is staff writer from the Point Sky, Ashley Kashulik, and uh, she's been on a couple of sailings since the whole industry reboot thing has occurred. So uh, what better person to have on? Hey, Ashley. Hey, Doug. Okay, so like I just mentioned, you've been on a couple of sailings before. Um, what is this ship like as far as like the protocols, the crowds and everything compared to the other three or four sailings you've done prior? And what, what lines were they? Um, I have done two cruises on Celebrity and one with Royal Caribbean in the past two months or so. So this is my fourth I will say this one is a bit more crowded. It's at 70% capacity. The others were under 25%. So it's a big jump, and I was not prepared for that. Um, There are also fewer protocols on board this sailing in terms of mask wearing and social distancing. Uh, That is to say, passengers are required to be vaccinated, though. Uh, They're sailing with a minimum of of 95% vaccination rate on this ship right now. But um, I guess because of that, they are a little more lax with those things I just mentioned. They're also not requiring vaccinated passengers to be tested before we disembark at the end of the sailing. So that's different from the other voyages that I was on as well. And it's interesting because earlier today, as we're taping this, so on Wednesday afternoon, Carnival Cruise Line, they debuted some more protocols kind of going in line with, I guess, as John Heald said, Carnival's brand ambassador, Disney, he gave Las Vegas as an example. He even used like McDonald's as an example. And correct me if I'm wrong on this, but he said on August 7th, masks will be required in public places on board the ship, obviously not in your stateroom or outside, but kind of transiting throughout the ship, the elevators and stuff, you'll have to wear a mask. And then on August 14th, from that sailing onward, you're going to have to either have a negative PCR test or antigen test before you sail on a Carnival Cruise Line ship. Is that correct? That's correct. It's uh, for all ships in the fleet, not just for Mardi Gras. And they did say that in terms of mask wearing, they're going to have signage to indicate which venues it will be required in. It's largely places where people will be crowded uh, together. So places like the theater, as well as places where you can expect a lot of kids. So the Build-A-Bear workshop, the kids clubs and that sort of stuff. Let's talk about this ship now. Like, Let's get into the like, nuts and bolts of Mardi Gras. And I want to talk about, first off, this is a, a departure from the past 20-something Carnival Cruise Line ships in the fleets because for once, we're seeing um, the zone concept. What are your thoughts on the zone concept, which, I mean – Truth be told, it's a lot like Royal Caribbean's neighborhood. They have like the seven neighborhoods on their Oasis class, and Carnival has, I believe, six zones on here. Correct, yeah. I think um, 
It is similar to Royal Caribbean. Some of the, the concepts are different, though. One of the ones I really like is the French Quarter. So it's it's sort of themed around Mardi Gras, uh, fitting with the name of the ship, and New Orleans and that sort of jazz vibe. They have um, a really good Emerald's Bistro, which has some uh, fairly affordable extra fee options if you just want a quick bite to eat. It's really good seafood and stuff like that. Um, the bars there are really nice, too. The Brass Magnolia and the fortune teller bar where the bartenders will read your palm and apparently tell ghost stories. We haven't gotten them to do that for us quite yet, but I'm planning to head back there later. The drinks across the ship are absolutely phenomenal. Um, some really creative stuff. Um, a lot of gimmicky ones, but they also taste pretty good too. So you're not paying just for the show. Yeah, we've had a, ch- we had a chance to talk with um, Eddie Allen, who's the Vice President of Beverage Operations for Carnival Cruise Line. And a little secret here, he said, uh, if you want the strongest drink on the ship, go to the Brass Magnolia and get the Hurricane. He said it's actually so strong, they might actually be pulling it back a little bit because uh, we were there the other night. And uh, after one, I'm usually, you know, I'm probably a four or five drink kind of guy. I I was feeling it after one drink there. So that was, uh, that's first one. And you were talking about Emerald's Bistro. That is really affordable too. Like it was like three dollars and five dollars for like the po' boy or the sliders. Um, you had you had the, like the red beans and rice. I had the jambalaya. Just really solid food there. Yeah, I think it was a total of like eleven dollars for. Yeah. It was. I think we got we got a beer. We got the red beans and rice. I got two sliders, and you got the shrimp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, very affordable. Um, it is an extra fee, but it's it's negligible in my opinion. Um, and as far as the other neighborhoods go, I mean, there are some that are similar to what we have seen with Royal Caribbean, like uh, an area where you can go to the shops and then an area that's outdoors where they've got a ropes course. And of course, the boat roller coaster, which is, the, you know, the talk of the town on the ship because it's the first roller coaster at sea. But yeah, I think the neighborhood concept works I'm a big fan. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Grand Atrium. So the Grand Atrium for the first time on a Carnival Cruise Line ship, and I don't know if it's for any ship at sea, but um, maybe all the Excel ships will have this, but it's a sea-facing atrium. So when when you walk into the Grand Central Zone, the atrium, how we're used to it being right in the middle of a Carnival Cruise Line ship with either the Dreamscape or the glass elevators, they are not there. And you're actually looking over on the port side and you're looking out the side of the ship, I think. I think it's the port side. Good gosh. Whatever side it's on, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, one of the sides of the ship. And it's a very transformative space, too. So during the day, deck six, seven, and eight, you want to talk about a connection with the ocean, go there with a book or your iPad or whatever. You can just daze out there for hours. I did it a couple of, couple of times throughout the voyage on our two sea days up front. And then at nighttime, it turns into show like the technology yeah theater space with the led screens that come down and uh stage performances and things like that kind of uh, i would say it probably and it might be fair to say it complements the shows in the mardi gras theater which is the main theater up front it's like a secondary theater where they they have performances last night we had the flying scotsman who's our cruise director who i didn't know the guy could sing he's incredible yeah he's He's doing acdc better than acdc does (laughs) acdc um I will say they have somehow managed to make the space cozy, but still central. Mm-hmm. It, it You can find little alcoves to sit, and it's kind of got this cool, um, cushy stadium seating that kind of goes up a couple decks, and it, it, right behind it uh, are some of the restaurants and the shops, so it's easy to, to get around, but it can be a little confusing. I don't know if you agree there, but um, it, it, I kind of have to weave your way 
in and out a little mm -hmm. bit. There's some different staircases that are, are a little difficult to find until you acclimate yourself. And I think too, something to point out is it's, it's right there when you embark. So it did cause a little bit of a backlog as we were getting on the ship. Yeah, because you walk on the ship. It's almost like a dreamscape, the Vista class. You're walking on the ship and you're like, oh my gosh, that is so freaking cool. And everyone's yeah. taking their cameras out and stuff. Yeah. You're like, go, we can get your photos later. Yeah, Not yeah, right yeah. now. I've sort of seen that as a general theme throughout the ship. I think the ship is really creative. And I think the stuff they have put on the ship is so popular that it is kind of, um, it feels a little crowded to me at times. And as I said, it's at 70% capacity. So I'm curious to see how that works out when it's at full capacity eventually. But, um, you know, on the first couple of nights, there were 90 minute waits to get into some of the dining rooms. The theater and the Punchliner Comedy Club are a little bit on the small side. So in order to accommodate all of the passengers, they have to have three three different show times for those venues to kind of fit everybody. And we poked our heads in for each of the three shows in both venues and they were packed. It was standing room only. So um, it does feel... It feels like the stuff they have created for this ship is just so popular that it's almost like a like a victim of its own creativity. And that's not a bad problem yeah. to have. Yeah, I was going to say also it's like it's Carnival's first ship of this size. So we're talking about 50,000 gross register tons larger than the Panorama or Horizon or Vista. So I think there's probably going to be some hiccups. Like, yeah, the dining room thing I did notice the first couple of nights was a hot mess. But it seems to be getting better. Like we ate at Shebang the other night and um, that was uh, – or like, yeah, last night. We like, kind of walked right in there with a the reservation if you didn't have a reservation, good luck. But I mean, you know, <laughs> things like that, I think it's going to take tweaks, right? Like, you know, figuring out where people are going and the behavior of people yes. and things like that. As to, So it hopefully gets better as the time goes on. Yeah. Um, I want to oh, go ahead. Well, but I think I think one one of the big things to point out here is that and this may be where you were going next. Um, they have tried out a sort of a new dining concept here, which mm -hmm. is they have the two regular main dining rooms, the Flamingo and the, the Palm is the other one, I yep. believe. Um, and so you can go to those, but if you can also go to Shebang or to La Cucina, look, uh, Cucina Capitano, mm -hmm. I believe. Um, those both serve as uh, sort of overflow main dining room venues each night. And I think a lot of passengers didn't know about that at first. So it's important that the line get the word out that it's there's basically four main dining rooms. So if mm -hmm. you go to Shebang or to Cucina, you can order from the main dining room menu in both of those places, or you can order from the menus that are specific to those restaurants. So there are other options if you see that there is a long line to get into one of the two standard main dining rooms. Yeah, something I learned the other day, the Flamingo was the main dining room on the original Carnival Mardi Gras from back in 1972, which I thought was kind of cool. A lot of, a lot of little Easter eggs around the ship that uh, if you really pay attention, you'll see them. I don't want to kind of reveal them right now, but uh, if you are sailing this ship, you can kind of see exactly what we're talking about with uh, yeah. different, I guess, maybe tips of the hat to their past there. I, I want to transition here and talk about um, some food and drinking spots real quick here. One thing this ship does have, a lot of places to eat, <laughs> almost, almost too much places to eat, uh, as I'm doing two breakfasts every morning, and a lot of drinking spots too, which we've uh, kind of made the rounds as well, not going to lie there. Uh, what's our, what are some of your favorite, we'll start with food. My favorite, and this is saying something because I'm really picky when it comes to, to chicken. Um, Shaq's, Shaq's Big Chicken is phenomenal. I've eaten there three times now, and it's only, what, day four? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I have not... I usually pick my chicken apart <laughs> because I am so, um, you know, like, adamant that it be good chicken. But this was 
is probably some of the best like fast food type chicken I have ever had. Um, I didn't have to throw any of it out, which was it was a good thing. But you know, usually when I am chowing down on on my chicken, I have to. There's parts that I am like, oh, this is gross. What are you picking out of there? I anything tendony, anything okay. grizzly, anything nasty. It's just I didn't get any of that there. Um, and and some of the the dishes themselves are are really. Um, interesting too. There's a chicken on a biscuit for for breakfast that has like this really good chili glaze on it. It's phenomenal, so good. Highly recommend. Um, and it's all free, which is also a draw. Yeah, the Nashville hot chicken too. It was a uh, it was pretty spicy. It's like double dipped in hot sauce. But if you love Nashville chicken, and again, all free, it'll light you up. It may impact you later, but it's a, it's a great, 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 great area there. Um, so many other places, too. Like um, Chef Rudy has uh, – he's known with Holland America. He actually has a restaurant on board as well. Yes. Another thing, I am, I'm a really picky eater in case this isn't painfully obvious already, but um, I'm generally not the biggest fan of seafood. I can honestly say I would eat at Rudy's Sea Grill every single night if yeah. it you know Agreed. didn't drain my bank account. <laughs> um, it is an added fee. Um, it's not. It's not anything astronomical. Yeah, it's it's yeah. reasonable for seafood, and it's just really, really good stuff. I had some fish. Um, the lobster mac and cheese is really tasty, and it comes in this cute little crab shaped dish, which was fun. <laughs> yeah, and that that would be uh, Rudy Sea Grill is thirty eight dollars. It's a specialty restaurant here on board the ship. As is Fahrenheit five 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 Steakhouse. Um, do you have like one or two more of your favorites? Yeah, I really liked uh, Pizzeria Del Capitano. It's open 24-7. So any time of the day, you can get pizza, and it's good pizza. Um, it's made right there in an oven in front of you. Um, it takes just a couple minutes. You can get the whole darn pie to yourself if you want or just grab a slice, so that's nice. Um, and again, it's free, which is great. What do you think about the panini place, which is right next to it? What is it? The Piazza Panini, I believe it's called. Yes, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, I believe it was a Caprizi Panini, and it was really good for like a... If you're hungry, for me anyway, I did it between lunch and dinner because I was feeling a little peckish. So, And you can't talk about food without talking about drinks. So what have been some of your favorite drink spots on board the ship here? Hands down, my number one is the Fortune Teller just because of the vibe. Um, again, that's in the French Quarter neighborhood. And it's kind of got like a, I don't want to say voodoo, but maybe like a steampunky kind of mystical feel, like dark colors and... Um, crystal balls and books about palmistry and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, and the drinks are fun. There's one that has a, a bubble on top, and when you pop it, smoke comes out. Ones that do all kinds of fun stuff with smoke and color changing uh, stuff that you pour in, and just it's kind of like a potions mm-hmm. ambiance, I guess. There's a couple of drinks I still want to try there. They're pretty strong there, too, though, the drinks are. So you have to kind of watch out or they'll creep up on you. But it's the one that has, like, the boba bubbles in it. You know what I'm talking about? Bog juice. Yeah, I want to try that. They have fun names, too. And right now they don't have uh, the paper menus available just because, you know, touch points Mm -hmm. and and trying to cut down on the number of things people are handling. Um, But if you ask nicely, they will show you one of the paper copies, and they're so well done. I actually told the bartender if they sold them in the gift shop, I'd buy one Mm -hmm. because they just they look like almost like a nice coffee table book that you'd want in your drink menu collection. You know, um, they're probably keeping them close because people were trying to walk out with the uh, the alchemy menus on all the other carnival ships when they first uh, launched the alchemy bar. They were backlit when you opened them and all that. Yeah, so people trying like to iPads or something. Yeah, yeah. People are trying to steal them, so they're probably keeping these really close behind the bar and kind of giving it on a 
ask basis only there. I wondered why they got rid of those. Yeah. <laughs> I also, the Pig and Anchor, um, not to mention the killer live band back there. The house band is just phenomenal, but also so a good, good spot. So good. Yes. The food, I, I know I keep saying it's excellent. It's phenomenal. It's, you know, I'm running out of words to describe, but the, the food is really decent there. Um, but what draws me in even more, in addition to the, the band, as Doug said, is the brew pub that's in there. Um, there's They actually brew the beer on board, and they have a, a decent selection. I think it's, what, four or five different mm-hmm. different beers. And they I believe they're scheduled to change with the seasons. So you have some choices there. I was talking to Eddie about they should start brewing some. I don't know if it's like... If it's when you ask a brewmaster to brew cider, if that's like a taboo thing or you don't want to ask a brewmaster to brew cider, but I wish they would start brewing some cider. Do you like cider? I'm I'm a fan. I am not. I I really like um, darker beers. I prefer stouts and heavy quarters. Yeah, heavy. That'll weigh on you. Yeah. Make it sleepy. That's what happened last night. I was (laughs) passed out by like 11 because I had a beer. Yeah, I know we're kind of all over the map here, but there's so much to do on this ship. We're going to do a deep dive in the next couple of weeks about this ship, and I hope to catch up with Carnival's brand ambassador, John Heald. He's on board. Also, Christine Duffy, Carnival's president's on board. Also, the Flying Scotsman, Chris, he's on board. and supposed to catch up with him as well. So um, the next couple of weeks, we'll have some more interviews and kind of discuss this ship. And with this being the first sailing, I can't throw too many stones at everything that's going on, like the long waits and everything, because it's just, for one, these people have been out of work for 16 months, and this is a brand new ship and concept for Carnival Cruise Line. But something else that is new for Carnival is Bolt, which is the very first roller coaster at sea. We've had a chance to ride it twice, and uh, we both have driven it and been the passenger. Which one would you rather do? Um, I think being the passenger is more scary because you don't have control over it and you're not expecting it. When you're driving it, you're so focused on driving it that you don't even notice the, like you can see when the hills are coming. If you're in the back, you really can't. So um, if you want more of a thrill, be the passenger. But if you're going alone, you have to be the driver. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it's $15 for one lap. And one lap is about... 20-ish seconds if you're full throttle? Yeah, if you're full throttle. it can. It, they tell us it can be up to a minute or a minute and a half if you go slowly. Um, and something to note, too, is that the, the wait times there on day one were about 90 minutes as well, which is why we've, we've actually, we both uh, covered this for our respective outlets and people have been commenting, well, they said it was $15 for two laps, which it was true, and they have since changed it to $15 for one lap because the wait was so long. Yeah, there's that happy medium, right? You have to kind of consider the price point and the wait times too because it gets hot up there as well so okay. you don't you don't want people waiting all day for that thing so you cut there's a, there's a happy medium there and will they stick with 15 dollars will they go lower or will they go higher who knows will they do a package maybe an all-inclusive for 99 dollars for the whole cruise you can ride who knows yeah. maybe but i want to talk about the experience just for a moment here ashley um so what you do is you make a reservation on the hub app you check in the guy's like okay here's your name and you go up there to the top, so it's on we're deck uh, 18 or deck 19, really, because deck 18 is where you check in. And you kind of you just scan your card. They weigh you. You have to be under 300 pounds, I believe, and a certain height as well. Um, I think it's like 48 inches maybe or 40, don't quote me, 42 inches, something like that. Yeah. And then you get, you get strapped in. But um, like the experience itself for the, for the price we paid, you think it's worth it? I think it's worth it to go once. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would. We went twice, but that's just for coverage purposes. Um, if it were just me on, you know, on a vacation, I probably would try it just to say that I tried it. But um, 
for me, it's not something I would do over and over. Um, it's something I, I want to throw out there for the ladies because I know, you know, Doug's probably not as sensitive to this. They do weigh you, but um, correct me if I'm wrong, they don't actually like broadcast your weight or anything. It's just to make sure that you can, that it's that you're not too heavy for it. So there's a flashing light on top of the scale and green means good and red means not good. Okay. So if you're over 300 pounds, it's going to be red and just you can't go on it. Okay. But great. if you're under 300, you know, which is the weight limit, then um, yeah, you're green and you're good to go. So it doesn't actually broadcast no. your weight unless unless it turns red and then people know that you're over 300 pounds. But I mean, yeah. it's so don't worry about that is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> don't, don't worry you're, that they're going to be like, Ashley weighs 250 pounds. Your, you know, your weight, yeah, your weight is displayed on the big screen in the Grand Central right, for right. everyone to see. Yeah. Not the case. <laughs> Another thing was cool though was the, uh, what was it? It was, it's not the zip line. It's the ropes course, though. But it's got a little miniature zip line on it that goes out over the side of the ship, and that yes. was that was thrilling too. Because you're like you're a good 180, 200 feet above sea level at that point. Yeah, and my favorite thing was when they have a like a a crew member from the the entertainment staff or the the, the uh, whoever you know helps to to monitor those things. Yeah. He's up there and kind of stops you to make sure that the person in front of you is completely clear before he sends you. And I said to him when I got up there, I was like, okay, so I just kind of run at it and go. And he's like, well, don't run, <laughs> but run. <laughs> like, <laughs> so they're, they're all about the safety, but um, it was it was fun. It was a thrilling, you know, yeah. three or four seconds. Yeah, it was awesome. And of course, the ropes course is always fun because you have two different obstacles, kind of an intermediate one. And we'll say advanced because one's walking a plank and one's climbing through ropes. Again, you're pretty high above the ground below you. Um, and again, we'll cover all of this in more detail over the next couple of weeks here on Cruise Radio. But one thing we didn't talk about is the cabins on board this ship. And there are a lot of classes of cabins all the way from inside to the Excel suites, which are like kind of like the presidential suites with the access to Loft 19, which is a tier above Serenity, the forward part of the ship. But what are your thoughts of the cabins? Um, to be honest, I haven't seen too many of them, but the one that I'm in was a guarantee balcony. So I didn't know what I was going to get when I booked it um, because that's all that was left was the guarantee variety when I booked. So the one I have is sort of a, a recessed balcony that it's in the middle of the ship. Well, it's, it's technically forward, but it's um, it's in the middle of two other sections of balconies that kind of jut out. So my I have a view, but I can't see all the way forward or aft like I could on a, a normal balcony. Um, but the cabin itself is spacious. I like the color scheme. It's kind of, um, it's sort of neutral, but with some pops of blue. So it's not quite as, um, it's quite as Joe Farkas, maybe, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> some of the other ones. More contemporary. Yes, it's more, yeah. I think um, perhaps it'll be... Uh, become dated less quickly. Yeah, there you I'll go. put it that way. Some really nice touches. There's a ton of USB ports in here by the bed and on the vanity. Tons of lighting. Um, you do have to put a card in the slot in order to turn the lights on, which is kind of annoying. And we just recently discovered that it does not save your uh, HVAC settings. So I had the air conditioning down as cold as it would go, and every time I take my card out, it resets it, which is <laughs> frustrating. Um, the bathroom has it's kind of a standard size but instead of that annoying clingy curtain it has the uh, plexiglass door that opens and closes the closets are worth noting too because they have these um interesting drop down shelves that you can use to kind of tailor the closet to your needs so if you need more shelf space you can pull them down and if you don't you can fold them up and use the the bars instead to hang things um 
standard stuff, a safe, a hairdryer. The refrigerators are clear, too, so you'd actually see what's inside of the fridge, where on the other Carnival ships, it's kind of like a regular, like a fridge at home. You kind of open it, you have no clue what's inside there. Here, you can kind of look in there and see all the goodies you have in your refrigerator there. I think um, something else that's worth noting, too, it's small, but it caught my attention, is the bedside tables are not really tables. They're kind of small shelves, Mm -hmm. and they are actually designed, um, there's two, one on top of the other. The top one is designed to be the size of a cell phone, and the bottom one is the size of like a, maybe an iPad or a book. And they mentioned in one of the um, sort of powwows that they had with some of the executives on board that they did that on purpose because people tend to sleep next to their electronics. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are no actual nightstands next to the bed in at least some of the cabins. I don't know if they have them in the other the other categories. But so if you're someone who is used to having a, a chest of drawers next to your bed to put your pajamas in there or something, that is no longer there. Um, they do have some nice recessed reading lamps, though. Yeah, so I, I booked the... Um, interior room cabin and it was the same setup I had the same light I had the same shelf like this right here Um, basically the same so it's yeah I like what Carnival's doing here and I think yeah it's it's a good way to move forward Yeah, I agree. Um, Ashley, before we hop here, I do want to get some of your thoughts. Like, we're halfway through the voyage right now. What are your thoughts so far? Overall, I like it. I'm really excited about what they've done. It is different from anything Carnival has done before in terms of size, in terms of creative new things, uh, mainly being Bolt and the atrium, which is, as Doug said, the side-facing atrium. I think they have some fun shows on board, too. Family Feud just debuted. And it was really well done. Yeah, that was just like watching, well, less funny or Steve Harvey, but I mean, it was a great, the production, everything was just amazing on that. Yeah, it was, it was really well done. You would have thought they rehearsed it for a week before they actually Mm -hmm. did it. Um, And it was, they show some fun clips from like retro episodes of Mm -hmm. the show in between. And uh, they were, they were a hoot. They were really funny. Um, I would probably say. I want to give it a little more time before I really weigh in on uh, the little things, I guess the logistical yeah. things like the the crowds at the main dining rooms and the passenger yeah. flow. And of course, we're in a crazy freaking world right now. Like, you know, what, eight months ago, the vaccine was going to be the end all or the cure all, I should say. Yeah. And then here we are with the whole Delta thing where we're kind of going backwards a little bit, um, regardless of what you think of the whole situation. It is what it is because the cruise lines are trying to be safe because they can't go out of business. I mean, if they shut down again, a lot of them are going to probably come out. It's interesting. I'm curious to see how things are going to go. And uh, we will catch up with you next week, or I will at least, and talk about some more uh, kind of more in-depth details about Carnival's Mardi Gras and a little bit about what's coming up on Carnival Celebration and the ship they just got from IATA which is coming out in 2023. Actually, I know you have, you've been writing your butt off. Every time I see you, you're typing away, pecking away at your keyboard. Um, where can we find some of your coverage? And I'll also link it up in the show notes as well. Um, you can go to thepointsky.com. And if you really want to find my specific content, it's thepointsky.com slash author slash A. Kishulik. That's A-K-O-S-C-I-O-L-E-K. I'm sure everyone will remember that. <laughs> Ashley Kosulik, staff writer for The Point Sky. Thanks so much for uh, sitting down and chatting for a few minutes on Cruise Radio. Thanks, Doug. Go beyond the headlines with in-depth industry coverage at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. 
Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast, or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.